I'm reading this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now, about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. If Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one, then, should refuse to accept him. Send him on his way in peace, so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. Now about our brother Apollos. I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Well, good morning. We are... Finishing up our journey through the book of First Corinthians, I think it's been a wonderful five-year process, and you know, we we have we have these interns and uh, at the Cole Center for Biblical Studies, and so they are um, on Thursday nights. I've been teaching a First Corinthians class. When they're studying their Greek and their languages and expositing, they're studying 1 Corinthians. They're involved in growth groups that are studying 1 Corinthians. And then on Sunday mornings, they get 1 Corinthians. So they are overloaded, and they know it. So they are ready to go into the work of the ministry and know what it means to be a temple of God. That's been our theme throughout this whole teaching. We are the temple, the place where... God is living his life out through us individually, but primarily he's speaking to us as a body of Christ. That we reflect the image of God in the way that we love each other, in the way that we minister to one another, in the way that we minister to the broken community and world that we live in. We are the temple of God. And that's been our theme in living out in unity of the body of Christ and in purity, that we're holy before the Lord, following His commands. And like Nicholas prayed in love, that center chapter of moving us towards the heart of Christ. And we'll finish up this morning following the Lord's example of how to live out life in Christ as the temple. I'm going to miss these people up here. been able to look at them for the last year. Love those folks. This morning begins in chapter 16, and uh, we wrap in 16, and it's, uh, for all you guessed, uh, it talks about money. 
And we, as uh, Cole Community Church, we walk through the scriptures, and if uh, money is the topic, the area that Paul is covering, uh, we're going to walk through it. But if you're a guest, uh, just know that this isn't uh, a normal process for us. Uh, but you can give in the back. We have an ATM back there for you. <laughs> in her teaching, Heidi Husted sermon entitled The Sermon on the Amount spoke of a little girl who had a major breakthrough. She was able to finally tie her shoes. And she was so excited and yet all of a sudden in the excitement her father looked over and she was actually crying. And so her father walked over to her and Honey, what's, what's going on? How are you doing? Oh, I, I'm tying my shoes. And, and he's all, well, it's not, it's not that difficult, is it? You learned how to do it. And, and she's all, no, Daddy, it's not. It's not that difficult. And she kept on crying. I know it's not difficult, but I realized that I'm going to have to tie my shoes the rest of my life. <laughs> Nobody else is doing that for you anymore. And that's part of our response sometimes, like the little girl, when it comes to giving. We, we, we get excited as, as Christians to be part of God's kingdom work and to give because God has given so much to us. And we're, we're part of that joy and, again, the excitement. And then all of a sudden we realize Whoa, God has called us to this all the time. I have to do it the rest of my life. And for some of us, we get a little fearful in that, or we feel the burden of that, or it just kind of, you go, uh, you cringe, instead of the joy of giving, the joy of tying your shoes. And Paul's going to minister that to us. And you know, it's so frustrating, and as we were studying this together, you go, Paul, you did such... You did such a nice job in teaching us about the resurrection. Teaching us that the resurrection is indeed true. Jesus Christ died on the cross, but he didn't stay there. He rose again. And and it's true. There were many witnesses. And Christ's life has played out into us, into our lives. And we have received his resurrection power through the Holy Spirit. We are alive in Christ. We were dead in our transgressions. Now we're alive in Christ. Paul, you've taught us that that we are going to be renewed. We're going to have a new body. We're going to be restored. When we die or when God comes back, we're going to have a new body. Life in Christ forever with Him. For those of us who love Jesus Christ. And you finished last week with this just triumphant, amen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now Paul says, and now give. It's like, just finish on the resurrection, that's, that's the good stuff. Let's, let's hold on to that. Paul, why did you ruin such a great teaching and now put us into a place of now give to the saints? And, and when you first read this chapter, in chapter 16, you go, is there something going on? Like, did Paul forget a few things? He's like, oh, by the way, 
I needed to mention a few more things about giving and about the saints that are going to come and visit you and about some of my travel plans. Just wanted to throw those out there. And the more you read it, you come to find, I don't think that's true at all. I don't think it's just a last thought. I think it's very intentional, and it really plays out on what God has for us as the body of Christ, as the temple of God. And it ties in for me, let's look at the, uh, the last verse uh, in Corinthians 15. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers... And that therefore, remember, whenever there's a therefore, you go, what's the therefore, therefore, right? Therefore, in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we live in light and in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? Stand firm. Don't let anything move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And then I think he's going to roll into chapter 16. Because you are transformed, because you have new life in Jesus Christ, because you live in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we now live our lives in the abundance of Christ, standing firm and abounding in the work of the Lord. And in my mind, abounding in the love of the Lord as we minister. And one of the ways that we abound in the work of the Lord, filled with the power of the resurrection, transformed people, changed people, is by giving. Because you know what? The heart of God is a heart that gives. For God so loved the world, He what? He gave. He gave. And He gave. And we can never pay that back. Much has been given to you freely, Matthew 10. So give freely. Much has been given to you freely. So give freely. It's, it's the heart of God. And it teaches us as followers of Jesus Christ to, to give, to care for, in love, the needs of the saints and the work of the ministry. God's kingdom work. And so he's going to speak to that today. He's going to speak about having a giving heart. He's going to speak about his, his life in Christ and how it's important to care for the saints who are hurting. And specifically, he's, he's speaking about giving to the church in Jerusalem, to the body in Jerusalem. Now, let me tell you what was going on in, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem had experienced in the land uh, some famine that was going on, and so things were really tight. Not a lot of food. People were very hungry. It was just tough. It was tough. And so just practically, just getting food was very difficult and feeding people and caring for the saints. The other thing that was happening was part of this was 
in Jerusalem, the saints in Jerusalem were uh, disobedient to the purposes of the Lord, and there was some consequence that played out from that. As the church came together, they started the church, and when, when Jesus was reminding the apostles of what's going to go on, he's saying, you're going to go. You're going to go and make disciples. You're going to go all over the place making disciples to the ends of the earth. This is what I want for this church family. And what did they do? They hung out in Jerusalem. It was pretty cush at the time. Every need was being met. It was pretty comfortable. But they didn't move like the Lord wanted them to move to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in staying in that place, then there came great persecution on the church. And then when Stephen was killed and persecution came stronger and stronger, the church spread out. And so it left the church in Jerusalem in really a tough spot financially, just, just the taking care of each other's needs. They just didn't have resources. And so that's what's going on in the church in Jerusalem. And so Paul is going to minister some principles. It's not, it's not just for special giving, but principles that speak to our heart of giving and really thinking through what it looks like for us as followers of Jesus Christ, living in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what it means to have a heart of God and be the temple that has a heart of giving. And so he lays out some principles. Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told you uh, the Galatian churches to do. And so one of the, the first principles is that he's teaching all of the churches and we are church worldwide. We should care about the body of Christ outside a coal community church. We should. God's heart is for that. As I taught those in Galatia, and he taught several other churches as well, this is how I want you to give. This is how I want you to care. And I want you to care especially for the church in Jerusalem because they're really hurting. And it's a teaching that's common to all. It's a, it's a heartbeat of God that is common to all, that He is ministering through the Holy Spirit to you to give and to care for the needy, but to give as a lifestyle. To not be frustrated that you have to tie your shoe, but to really be thankful that you get to participate in the heart of God. And so give. He says, I'm teaching all the other churches how to do this. And I want you, verse 2, to do this on the first day of every week. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made at that time. It's interesting, as the church began, and we get our first indication here, that the church was gathering on the first day of the week. 
that the body of Christ was meeting New Testament church on the first day of the week, which is what? It's Sunday. And why on Sunday? Because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection. That's why we meet on Sundays. That's why the early church did. That's when Christ rose again. And so we gather and we live in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we glorify God together in worship. And the church was meeting on Sunday. First day of the week. Gathering together. And so when you gather on the first day of the week, each one of you... Now look at this. He says, I'm teaching the churches how to give... Now, each one of you should set aside a sum of money and, and literally keep setting aside. It's this ongoing action. Keep setting aside a sum of money that's intentional to give to the hurting church. It's intentional to give to the work of God. Set it aside. And, and when you think of the first of the week, you think of, it's the first fruits. I don't, I don't like, well, Lord, I have, you know, a couple bucks left here. Maybe you could use them. It's being thoughtful. And, you know, as a father and, and thinking through about our family life, it's really been challenging for me going, yeah, how do I continue to, to raise my children up and, and also grow personally, and what it means to be very thoughtful, intentional about, God, what do you have for your money? Which, by the way, it's his money, in case you forgot. Everything you have is his. Don't think for one second that that high-paying job is all of you. It's his. He gave you that job. He gave you those resources. First of the week, be thoughtful. Be asking God, God, what do you have for this money of yours? Where do you want me to, to give? What does that look like, Father? And that's one thing I'm learning more and more as I grow in Christ. Lord, you know, I, like you, I have lots of bills. And sometimes they feel heavy. And you go, ah, but the Lord's still ministering to us His heart of giving because it's His heart. It reflects God as we give. It reflects His character. It helps us to surrender and trust Him with our lives also. And so think about that, parents. If you're not, I'm in the process of that with my wife and just thinking through how do we do this in a way that's a little more intentional? How do we really walk through with our kids? When I was a little kid, I remember, we only did it for a little bit, but we kind of had the jars, you know? We had the, the fun jar, and, and then we had uh, the jar that, that went for, uh, for church. Um, and, and so we just had the jars that we'd store up, and so we'd, we'd put you know, very little in. We were little kids, but we would separate that out. But it's funny to me how it's stuck in my brain. Um, but think through with your families and, and husbands and wives and, and just in your life. 
What does it look like for us to intentionally be talking about what does God have for his money that he's given us and how that plays out? I want each of you to do that, set aside. In the keeping of his income, and basically saying, according to what, what God has blessed you with, it's in line with where you're at. He knows your finances. And, and he knows what he's blessed you with. And so give out of that. Give out of, of your abundance. Give, just give out of the joy of being able to give according to how he's prospered you. How he's blessed you. You know, it's interesting. In the New Testament, you don't see the command, go, go and tithe 10%. It's an Old Testament command. New Testament life, New Testament life in Christ, living in the New Covenant, is dealing with heart attitudes. I don't live under the law of, here's just my 10%. I, I, live, I live in the life of Christ who I've received the Holy Spirit and who's ministering to me and helping me live this Christian life. And so he may, he may say, Rod, I want you to give 50%. I've got work out here and there's need out there and I want you, Rod Ritchie, to give 50%. Don't get stuck on 10%. God's stirring you up in your heart. You see, we're followers of Jesus Christ. And that's the conversation we have with our Lord. And so he says, give according to how God's prospered you. And again, I, I really believe that's just that constant conversation with the Lord and what he's doing in our lives. Set aside on the first of the week and give according to what God is giving you a sum of money so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. Now look what he says. Here's, here's one of the interesting principles. He says, I want you to put that money aside. I want to be thoughtful so that when I come, no collections will be made. Why would Paul say that? Well, I think, I think Paul knows that he can have a lot of influence and probably some emotional sway on giving. And what he's, what he's teaching us is, I don't, I don't want your giving to be because of some emotional appeal that I made or because of my influence as a spiritual leader. I want it to be between you and God and what God's doing in your life. That's why you set it aside. I mean, you guys, you guys know, you get all kinds of emotional appeal, don't you? In the mail, almost every day, don't we get give to something? And, and every time your heart's going, oh Lord, what? How do I? There's so much need. How do I do this? And he's saying, no, I set it aside. First of the week, be thoughtful. That's that conversation with the Lord. Lord, what do you want with your money? And set it aside. This week, yeah, you want me to, you want me to give uh, to a little boy in Africa who's starving? Okay, I'll give there. That's where you want me to go.
whatever God's stirring in your heart. Because he does. He stirs in your heart. Why? Because the life of Christ is living out through us. I no longer live, but the life of Christ lives through me. And so we give. And he says, I don't want to be manipulated by that. Set aside, and then there's going to be those who have good stewardship, men who are approved, men who we know we can trust, who will basically carry the money to Jerusalem. That's so important today, isn't it? You know how many people rip you off in the spiritual world? And they're just making a big living off of these pleas for your money. And they're not good stewards of God's money. I just want to tell you, for us, Cole Community Church, we have these, these men... Uh, and it, and it can, again, it can be women as well. But we have ushers. But part of their responsibility, it's not just, it's not just coming out and, and greeting you and handing out the plate, but they together go and, and they handle the money together so that there's stewardship. And then, and then once that's placed, then it's placed in the accounts with Linda and she has good stewardship and then there's all kinds of checking and double-checking. And these accounts of Cole Community Church, by the way, you're welcome to look at them anytime. This is God's money, and, and woe to us if we mess with it. We're very careful with God's money because God wants us to be. Because He has a lot of kingdom work to be done. And he wants that money going to his kingdom work. Because he wants us to be the temple of God who's loving each other and and loving the world with his money. Again, this isn't a lot of fun to walk through, right? Great. This is a happy Sunday about giving. But it's, it's an important part of our spiritual life. And you know what? Quite honestly... It's not really optional for us if we're really following Jesus Christ. Really. It's not like, well, I, I, I kind of don't want to give. That's not the heart of God. I don't want to love. I mean, it's not optional. We, we love because Christ loved. We give because Christ gave. God gave. It's part of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And if you're struggling in this area, and trust me, I struggle in this area on and off. You know, I, I, I look again, I look at my bank accounts, I'm like, oh my gosh, how do, I, how do I do all this? And the Lord keeps ministering stuff to me. Lord, and he gives me joy in giving, even when it's hard sometimes. And it's fun to see how God uses the money to bless his kingdom and his kingdom work. And to be part of that, to participate with people in that. But keep talking to the Lord about these things. Paul finishes up chapter 16. It's not just an afterthought. It's a heart of God abounding in the love of God, abounding in the work of the Lord that we minister to the saints in this way. And that we care for those. And we have, the, the one thing that we have that's close to that is, is on when we have communion together, 
And if you're not aware of this, uh, at the end of uh, our communion services, we have what's called the fellowship offering. It's kind of similar to what Paul's speaking to here. But that fellowship offering goes directly to this body, to the needs of this body, because we've all experienced times where, man, things just get tough. And we're not quite sure how we're going to pay the mortgage. And you saints, as you give as the Lord leads, you give to the fellowship fund and... We, as stewards of of God's money, administer those funds to take care of this body. And I I think that just absolutely pours out God's love to this body. It just does. And so keep giving to that as God moves you. But it's a beautiful thing. And I just want you to know it really is ministering to this body uh, and caring for those uh, who are going through some tough seasons uh, in life. So abound in the work of the Lord by giving. And then he moves on. Abound in the work of the Lord by making plans and letting God lead. By making plans and letting God lead. Look at this next little section. And, and, and this kind of stuff just drives you nuts. The way Paul... It, after I go through Macedonia, I will, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps, perhaps I'll stay with you a while. Maybe I'll spend the winter. I don't know. So you can help me on the journey. Wherever I go, I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on in Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. It's like, that's the most wishy-washy statement. It's like, Paul, where's your commitment? You know? It's like, get on my day timer, for goodness sakes. Today's culture, we read that and we go, that life is just all over the place. That guy needs to get organized. But I love the way Paul lives in the Lord. He expresses his heart. I really do want to see you guys. I love you guys. I want to spend time with you. I'm hoping maybe to come at this point, but I don't want it to just be a brief visit. So maybe in the winter I can come. Maybe I'll be able to come after Pentecost. That's usually a safer time to travel on the seas. But I want to be with you. I don't think it's wishy-washy. I think it's a life that's solely dependent on where God's taking him. It's showing up and where God has. He's expressing his heart. Here's some plans that I would love to see come to, to happen. But if the Lord permits... If, if the Lord allows. I don't know. I'm God's man. I'm out here doing the ministry. And all of us, we are God's people trusting where God's going to have us for the day. I had a, a sister I was talking with the other day, and she goes, when are you, when are you going to the Ukraine? I said, well, Lord willing, uh, we're going uh, July 5th. And she's all, she said, you're still, you're still Lord willing? 
And I go, we're always Lord willing. You know, yeah, we just, we, just got, we just got enough to get the plane tickets. Thank you, God. Lord willing, Lord willing, we'll, we'll go. That's life. It's all where he's taking us. And we're hoping to accomplish some things there, but like we all know, those of us who've gone on these trips, God takes us a whole nother journey. You think you're showing up to do one ministry, it becomes something totally different. Right? I, I told you some of our Taiwan stuff. I mean, every day. We were supposed to go to this one church. No, pastor got in a motorcycle wreck. So you're just going to go walk the neighborhoods and share the gospel with people in the neighborhoods. And that old pastor day, Rod, do your thing. What thing, Dave? I don't know the thing I'm supposed to do. But I just showed up. Because God opened a door of ministry. And here's what Paul's saying. Listen, I want to come see you, and I want to spend time with you, and I want to enrich you, and I, I, just, I, love, I love you guys. I just love to be with you. That's his heartbeat. But here's the deal. Paul is saying, God has opened this amazing door of ministry for me. It's incredible what he's doing. And there's many adversaries. Alexander Graham Bell said this. When one door closes, another one opens. But we often look so long and regretfully at the closed door that we do not see the one that has opened for us, that's right in front of us. Yeah, you know what? Certain doors are closed. And we stay stuck there, standing at the closed door. And we don't allow God to open our eyes to what he has next. There's a closed door of ministry in that one church in Taiwan because the pastor got in a motorcycle accident. And we could have just gone, bummer, I guess we'll just hang out and go eat some more top ramen or something, you know? And, and God opened up other doors. And we saw them. And we stepped in. I think it's a question we need to ask of ourselves. Is there, is there a door in front of you right now that, that God is opening up? Maybe he shut some doors for you. But is there one right now that he's opening up? Are you praying in such a way, Lord, show me what you have for me? I want to be living in your resurrection power. I want to be living, seeing, anticipating what you have for me, Father. And so I, I want to hear from you. And so open the door, Lord, because my life is no longer my own. I'm bought with a price, and I want to live out your life. So what's that open door that you have for me? The one thing that Paul says that's pretty cool, and the one... One of the ways we know that God's at work is it says, God has opened a great door for me. And what? There's a lot of enemies. There's a lot of opposition coming my way. And, and I want you guys later today to go to Acts chapter 19 because it speaks of all that opposition. And so he's getting attacked 
from everywhere. Paul's in the synagogue. He's teaching. Paul goes into the big, the big Bronco Stadium in Ephesus, and he's preaching there. And they're trying to get him to shut up, and they're crying out, Artemis is God, and he's preaching the gospel. And they've got to sneak him out of there because it gets to be a riot. But people's hearts in Ephesus, as he's, as he's teaching in the synagogues and all throughout the city, their hearts are being pierced with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're coming to Christ all over the place. Then they're going out and they're ministering, and, and all that area is coming to Christ. It's unbelievable. But there's nothing but opposition. I think we have to be a little bit questioning or discerning walking through an open door that we think, oh, this is definitely God's open door and this is, the, this is where his work is at and there's no opposition. Because we have a great enemy. And if God's kingdom work is being done, there will be opposition. Period. And so sometimes, if everything's so nice and comfortable, you've got to be going, huh, maybe I need to rethink what's going on here. Because uh, it's not comfortable. And, and for those of you, again, who have stepped out in faith like that, you know there's spiritual attack. You feel over... Some days you just wake up and you're like, why am I just so angry, frustrated with just life? And it's like, oh, well, I'm trying to walk through this open door and, and I'm just getting hit left and right. That's where you can be praying for this Ukrainian team, you know, that's going out July. Because, you know, just relationships, all that stuff. Trusting God. We're going to go share the gospel of Jesus Christ to kids who don't know the Lord. Are you kidding? The enemy hates that. So pray for us that way. But he's saying, I've stepped out in faith. There's an open door. God's doing an amazing work. And in the middle of getting attacked all the time, I'm realizing God's doing an amazing work. A pessimist is one who sees difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist is one who sees opportunity in every difficulty. God's optimistic eyes. There's opportunity in all these difficulties. God's at work. And he wants us to step into those things. <laughs> Do you remember what he's saying to Moses in Exodus? He's going, the Lord says to Moses, he says, Moses, why are you crying to me? What, basically, why are you whining? Tell the people to get in the river. Cross it. I've given you the land. Go. Trust me. Why are you crying to me, Exodus 14? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. The Red Sea crossing. Ephesians 2.10. One of my favorite, favorite verses. It plays off you've been saved by grace. Now how are we going to live our lives? God has prepared in advance for you good works, open doors to walk through to walk into. God has prepared. And so be asking the Lord, in light of the resurrection, 
empowered by the Holy Spirit, empowered by Christ. Father, what open door do you have for me? Because I want to live for you. I want to abound in the work of the Lord. I want to be one who moves in the work of the Lord. And then the last place that he has us abounding in the work of the Lord, it deals with leaders. And he basically is saying, I want you to abound in love by loving your leaders, your spiritual leaders. I want you to to minister to Timothy and to Apollos. I want you to care for those guys. Timothy, yeah, he's young. Build him up. Encourage him. But he's a man who's walking with the Lord, and he's a man that if you will listen to him, he will minister the gospel to you. Don't put him down. Don't discourage him. Build them up. Abound in the work of the Lord by loving, caring for your spiritual leaders. Obviously, that's a little weird for me standing up here saying that, but that's what he's calling us to, to, to minister to them. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says this, Obey those who rule over you, who basically lead you spiritually. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you, the body of Christ. And so think about abounding in the joy of the Lord by, by being a joy for your spiritual leaders coming alongside. We have lots of pastors here, elders, people who are ministering. Encourage them in the Lord. It's part of what God has for his body of Christ. As we, as we feel the burden, and we do, as we feel the burden for your lives, for your spiritual lives. And whether you know it or not, we love you to death. We pray for you often. Uh, the elders just spent, we spent Saturday morning, 8, eight o'clock till noon, just begging God, God, what do you have for us in this church? What saints can we be praying over? This was my Saturday morning. I mean it. You know? Uh, we, we aren't just here on Sundays. We, we care about your lives, as I know you care about ours. But we're a body of Christ together. Abound in the work of the Lord by loving your leaders. And he finishes off with love again and standing firm. Verse 13 says, and it's a, I think of abounding in love and in grace as we finish life in this book of Corinthians. Be on your guard, verse 13. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love, that great love chapter. And so, verse 23, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus Amen. And amen. God bless you guys.